Howdy. I am Tommy Settlemeyer. I'm the intern. I work here. I graduated in May, which means that I'm not a student anymore, which is awesome, because when I go home tonight, I won't have any homework to do. Um, so highly recommend graduating. It's a great experience. Um, do what you want, though. Uh, Max called to my attention that there is a couple announcements that were not made. Namely, uh, we have a Sunday school class. Does everybody know that? So on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and 11 a.m., we have a Sunday school in the TV lounge, and it's a, a, a small group discussion that happens at those times. And then we go over to uh, across the street to go to you know grown-up church over there. And it's important to go to what, uh, what Max calls grown-up church because. You know, I, I get that, like, we come to Wesley, and we have our small groups, and we have our Bible studies, and we go to worship twice a week, you know, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. But when you graduate, unless you become the intern, um, then you won't have something like Wesley, where that, that community, it's, it's just not the same. So uh, it's good to get into the habit of going to church on Sunday mornings so that you can get plugged into churches as you graduate and move on in life. So let's do that. Um, let's do that. Also, was Christmas mentioned? Okay, so uh, we, due to a recent competition that the people who are right won, we will be celebrating Christmas starting tomorrow, November 1st. So tonight, after worship, please stick around and help us uh, decorate the building with, like, I don't know, what we have, holly, um, mistletoe, we don't have mistletoe, but we have, like, lights and we have... Christmas trees, and it'll be a good time. So that'll be a fun time for everybody, especially so we can annoy the people who really don't like that. All right. Is there like a throbbing sound? Like, wah, wah. It's a car alarm. Spooky. Uh, spooky. Oh, it's the ghost of the car. Uh, great. So those are the announcements that I have now made. Okay. So normally when I give the message on a Wednesday night, my strategy is to sort of preach instead of like talk. You know the difference? So like, usually what I'll do is I'll like get a Bible verse or a passage and I'll talk about it and I'll read it and I'll say what it means and then I'll talk about like how to apply it to our lives, that sort of thing. I'm a preacher's kid so I've heard lots of sermons in my life and that's just kind of the style that I've settled into. Um, but uh, Wednesday nights are not of course, we come here to work together to worship God together, which is awesome. But there's that's a, something special about Wednesday nights is that it's an opportunity to uh, hear from one another about our faith. So like right now I'm speaking and you're hearing about my faith. And then next week it'll be somebody else. And then next week it'll be somebody else. And so that's an opportunity that you all have to share your faith with the group. And so the, the good news is you don't have to preach. You don't have to like do a little Bible study, devotional um, as, as if like you're, you've been trained, seminary trained and all that business. You can, uh, some people like to share their testimony, um, maybe like how they came to Christ or maybe just tell a story that's important to them um, about how and, and how God fits into that story. And so for the first time, I, Tommy Settlemeyer, will take that approach and to, to sort of demonstrate to y'all that it's okay to do that on a Wednesday night. So don't feel like so if you feel like you have anything to say at all, I encourage you to please talk to Doug, um, or tonight Doug, who has been, and, and really 
really seize that opportunity because a lot of places don't give you that chance. So the story I'm going to talk about tonight, I was thinking about it because Max talked about friendship on Sunday. And so I decided that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to tell you the story of one of the most important friendships that I have, which is the, my friendship with my older sister, Virginia. And this is an example, whoa, tripping. Uh, not that kind of tripping. I literally tripped on the music stand. Let's read the Bible verse. So, um, <laughs> uh, God, uh, this is in Revelation, and God is um, there on his throne, and John is there writing things down, and God says, he was seated on the throne, that's God, says, I am making everything new. Some versions say, behold, I make all things new. And so this is a, this is a story of when God uh, took something and, and made it new. So let's, let's pray. God, I pray that you would be with me as I tell the story of my friendship with Virginia and that you would really make your, um, your actions known to all of us and so that we can learn more about you. Thank you for making everything new. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So my sister Virginia is seven and a half years older than I am. And so I was born in April 11th, 1996, and Virginia was born on October 17th, 1988. So it's, it's almost exactly seven and a half years. So for those of you keeping score at home, October and April are six months apart. So we, whenever we had birthdays, uh, one, one of us would have a birthday. And then to keep the other one from being like too jealous or sad or left out, it would be their half birthday. And you get kind of like a half decent present. And so we always thought that your half birthday was your sibling's birthday. We thought that was the definition. And so, yeah. So we were hanging out with one of my sister's friends, Leslie, one time, who what, uh, was, I don't know, like 16 and a half. And we're like, she said, she said oh, I'm 16 and a half. And we're like, wait, how do, you, how do you know that? You don't, like, you're, you, you don't have, you have any, any siblings. Like, how do you calculate, like, when it's your half birthday? And like literally my sister's in high school at this point. She hasn't, and like, I'm in, I mean, I'm, I'm still a child, you know, I'm seven years younger than a high school student, but still, like, it's kind of embarrassing. So she walked us through and, oh my gosh, no, really, like six months is half of a year. Oh, it's a pretty life-changing moment. So yeah, so she said, she, anyway, she's seven and a half years older than me. She's my big sister. And I loved her very, very, very much. When I was a kid, I would do, I, I basically worshiped her. I, I kissed the ground she walked on. She was the coolest person, and I would do everything for her. She'd say, she'd be sitting, you know, watching TV, and she'd be like, Tommy, go get me a Dr. Pepper. And I would be like, your wish is my command. And I would go to the kitchen, and I'd get her Dr. Pepper, and I would bring it to her and say, is there anything else I can do for you? Because I was just so pleased to serve my sister, because she was just the coolest thing. Like, I, I followed her advice on everything, and I, her opinion was so important to me. So when I went into middle school and I got to pick, you know, for the first time what my elective would be, uh, Virginia really wanted me to play trumpet in the band because she just had this vision in her head of her little brother playing trumpet and it being adorable. And I was like, yeah, of course. So I got the trumpet and I started playing trumpet in the band in middle school. Um, Virginia also taught me, um, she knew that like I, I was kind of 
I was kind of a smart kid, okay. I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. And Virginia was also a smart kid, but she was seven and a half years older than me. So when she was in eighth grade learning algebra, she would come home and she would teach me what she had learned that day. Like, Tommy, you know, you can, you can have a variable and it's called X and it can have different values and you can solve for it. I'm like, what? That's so cool. So my sister taught me algebra when I was, what's eighth grade minus seven? First grade, when I was a first grader. Thank you. Um, she didn't teach me how to subtract numbers. That came later. Uh, and, and again, when she was in high school and she was taking physics, she would come home and she would tell me all the cool stuff she learned in her cool physics class. And that's, I really credit Virginia with the, uh, a lot of the love that I have for math and physics today. I have a degree in math and physics, so I like actually studied it. Um, Virginia was the coolest person. I hung out with her as much as I could. Of course, I was an annoying little brother, so my options were limited when she was in a bad mood. But um, I, it, it, was, it was awesome. Um, when she went to college, I went into middle school. Because I went to sixth grade, she went into six plus eight is 13, she went to 13th grade. Wait a second, that doesn't add up. I guess she is eight older than me. Anyways, doesn't matter, seven. Math is hard. Anyway, she went to college, I went to middle school at the same time, so just picture that. And when I was in middle school, this was probably the first couple weeks of class in sixth grade, I had discovered firsthand that Santa Claus was not real. I hate to ruin it for some of you, I can hear it in your voice. Um, but yeah, Santa Claus is not real, and I found out when I was in sixth grade, which apparently is really old, so it's kind of embarrassing for me. Um, but my parents made sure to tell me when I was in sixth grade so that I wouldn't be like picked on in middle school for being the kid who still believes in Santa Claus, um, which I guess it was nice of them to break my heart like that. <laughs> um, and I really, I was heartbroken, I was devastated. And so I found out uh, on a morning when I was about to go to school, and I, I was so mad at my parents for lying to me all these years, and I, I didn't know who else to talk to, so I called Virginia. I called her cell phone. She was in San Antonio, you know, living the, living the good life in college, and I called her, and I said, Virginia, I know about the Tooth Fairy, I know about the Easter Bunny, and I know about Santa Claus. And she said, Tommy, Tommy, if it's any comfort to you, Santa Claus is in heaven now. Because Santa Claus was real. He's just dead, you know. And, the, and she told me, he's in heaven now. And I said, you know, and that actually did comfort me, like in a strange way. But she knew exactly what to say. And, um, and, she, was, and she was the person that I called in that deep distress. I, I adored my sister, idolized her. So... Uh, She's in college, I'm in middle school, and I get kind of used to not having her around. I get all my parents' attention all the time. It's like I'm an only child. It rocked. Except for the times when Virginia would like call my dad in a panic, and then he would go to San Antonio to like help her like focus on a project or something. And um, but other than those brief moments, I was I was it. It was, it was, I was digging the attention. 
some of y'all may not have intuited that I, I dig attention sometimes. And I was, I, was, I was digging it. I was digging that attention. And you see, Virginia was, when she was in college, she was smart. She's, Virginia's very bright. Um, and, but when she went to college, uh, she was struggling with depression. And she, she had struggled with it in high school, too. And so there was times that my dad had to go to San Antonio to keep her company. It was part of the stress that she was experiencing in college and with the mental illness. Um, so eventually, she, uh, got, things got so bad that she had to take a semester off of college, and she started living at home. And it turns out, um, as she was going to therapy and whatnot, they found out or diagnosed her with what is called borderline personality disorder. For those of you not familiar, I have printed out a little, little info thing from the National Institute of Mental Health. And I will briefly summarize some of the key points. Borderline personality disorder is a mental illness marked by an ongoing pattern of varying moods, self-image, and behavior. These symptoms often result in impulsive actions and problems in relationships. People with borderline personality disorder may experience intense episodes of anger, depression, and anxiety that can last from a few hours to days. People with, people with borderline personality disorder also tend to view things in extremes, such as all good or all bad. Their opinions of other people can also change very quickly. An individual who is seen as a friend one day may be considered an enemy or traitor the next. These shifting feelings can lead to intense and unstable relationships. I experienced some of that. Other signs or symptoms include efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. Abandonment was always a big thing for Virginia. Um, she wouldn't be able to spend a night at home alone. Like if my parents were out of town on a trip and I was out of town like with a, like not out of town, but um, I don't know, at a spending the night at a friend's house, she couldn't, she couldn't handle it. She couldn't stand it. It was the worst thing ever. Because, remember what I was talking about extremes, she didn't feel, she wasn't lonely. She was the extreme version of lonely. She was abandoned. It, it, that's how she perceived it in her head. Another symptom is a pattern of intense and unstable relationships with family, friends, and loved ones, often swinging from extreme closeness and love to extreme dislike or anger. The closeness and love part was pretty cool. Um, the dislike and anger, not so much. They say um, that when you, when a loved one has borderline personality disorder, your, your temptation is to walk around uh, as if you're walking on eggshells, very careful not to crack something that's so delicate, um, like her emotional stability. Uh, you'd say one thing that you, th you that you, maybe you think it's a funny joke. She thinks that not that you've hurt her, but that you've devastated her, and you and then lashes out. That's just kind of how her brain worked. It's not her fault. It's just how she was. She had a distorted and unstable self-image or sense of self, very very low self-esteem, which contributed to the um, 
to her struggles in school. Intense and highly changeable moods, with each episode lasting from a few hours to a few days. Feelings of dissociation, such as feeling cut off from oneself, or feelings of unreality. Um, so I was used to Virginia not being around. And, she w and so when she came back, it was, we kind of settled into a new pattern. She would say, uh, Tommy, go get me a Dr. Pepper, and I wouldn't feel like it. And uh, my parents told me, Tommy, you, you realize it's okay to say no when your sister asks you to do stuff. And I was like, really? That's an option? Turns out it was. And so I tried it one time, and she lashed out at me because, um, because she deserved the Dr. Pepper. Um, she was on her feet all day at her job, and she, uh, and I was closer to the kitchen anyway. You know, just intense um, verbal abuse of, over a Dr. Pepper. Uh, we would fight over uh, the TV channel that we're watching. And everybody does that with their siblings, okay? That's normal. But the intensity with which she declared that it must be this television sh uh, show or you don't love me, then um, that was kind of not okay. That's also part of the feelings of dissociation. She would, she would watch TV so that she could just kind of turn her brain off and disengage from the world because the world was so painful. And so when I interrupted her television time, that was bringing her back to reality and just something that was really painful. So it makes sense that she lashed out. Let's see. Um, so she was, of course, she was put into treatment for the borderline personality disorder. Um, as with most, men most mental illnesses, most mental illnesses, excuse me, um, the treatment is a combination of therapy and medicine. And so she did the therapy and she did the medicine and um, um, they were always talking about how Virginia has an appointment, you know, a therapy, uh, you know, no, Virginia had therapy today, so don't, you know, she's gonna be a little more volatile than usual. Um, and they, my parents kept telling me that Virginia was getting better with the treatment. Like, Tommy, Virginia's getting so much better. There's so much progress. But all I could see was her getting worse and worse in her um, behavior towards me, especially. Um, and I don't know if it was she was actually getting worse or if I was just getting more mature and able to realize um, what sort of behaviors were normal and what sort were inappropriate. Maybe that's why I felt like it was getting worse, but it sure felt that way. Um, Virginia would get in these fights, these shouting matches with my dad and with my mom. And we don't, we don't shout in my family. Like we don't yell. Like, um, that was, so that new normal where there would sometimes be yelling in my family, like kind of, it freaked me out. I was a little middle school kid and I thought that my family, that my sister was driving my family apart. That's what it felt like. Um, 
So whenever the shouting matches happened, I would go uh, into my room and I would play the ukulele to myself to distract me from all the chaos that was going on in my life. Virginia would often have meltdowns, um, lots of crying, lots of um, uh, she had meltdowns. Um, and the my parents had a pretty cool strategy for how to deal with them. Uh, my parents would, one parent would take care of Virginia, and you know console her during this, you know time of grief or whatever caused her to be that way. And the other parent would go to me and make sure that I was okay. Um, and it was very important to my parents that I knew that I was still important to them, even though Virginia was such a huge part of the daily living of my family. And then, you know, they would, whichever parent was with Virginia would tap out and they would switch, and then uh, I would get to talk to my other parent. It was, it, was, it was a pretty good system. I can't think of a better one. But those meltdowns really still uh, impacted me. Um, example, I, uh, one time I ruined Christmas. Uh, there's two parts of the story. One, um, you see, Virginia was really crafty. I say was, is really crafty. That's one of her gifts is um, turning things that aren't art into things that are. And I, like she crochets like without a pattern and then suddenly it's a stuffed animal. And you're like, how did you, it was yarn and now it's a bear, that's so cool. And so one of the, one of the ways that she um, you know, practiced that nifty trick is to uh, uh, decorate the house for Christmas. And so one year uh, she let me in on the secret that she was gonna make Christmas special by hanging all these decorations everywhere. And we, had, we shared a bathroom, and she had to store the decorations in our shared bathroom so that our parents didn't find out. So I had to keep the secret not to, um, and not tell about the surprise. And so when, so mom and dad and I went to, you know, the late 11 o'clock Christmas Eve service, and Virginia stayed home. She was sick. Oh, I can't go. But really, she was setting up the Christmas decorations. And we came home, and it was like a winter wonderland. There were these glistening orbs that were made of like glue. I don't know how she did it. And there, and there were these like icicles and, and there were streamers everywhere. And it was, it was, it was magical, it really was. And um, you know, we, we praised her for it. We're like, oh Virginia, this is so cool. You did such a good job because Virginia needs a lot of praise. You know? And so we, we had learned um, when Virginia does something special to pile on the, the praise. Um, so she doesn't get mad at us. And, you know, she didn't. It was pretty cool. So the next year, uh, Virginia is tired. Um, it had been a long week at work, and um, she, was, she wasn't sure if she had the energy in her to make Christmas special this year. And so she said, Tommy, is it okay if I don't make Christmas special? And I'm thinking, like, it's cool that you did that decoration stuff last year, but that's totally not necessary to like Christmas because it's about Jesus, you know? And so I was like, oh, here's a clever way and a cute way to like communicate that. And so I was like, hang on, I'll be right back. And so I went 
into the other room and grabbed a Bible. And my plan was to read the Christmas story and then say, see, Jesus already made Christmas special. And um, Zario, ah, um, thank you. Uh, it, was, it was adorable. Um, I thought it was the super, I thought it was the best way to handle that situation because she was tired. She didn't want to make Christmas special. Christmas is already special. Awesome. So she sees me walking in to the room uh, from the other room with the Bible and she gets mad at me. She says, Tommy, no. And I'm like, what? I'm just going to read the Christmas story and I'm going to tell you that it's already special and it has all planned out in my head and it was really cool. And she said, no, you're going you're gonna to use the Bible to make me feel bad. And I don't want you to do that. And, and she just, and of course, the much more intensity than I just said it now. And that kind of shocked me and freaked me out. Um, she had this idea in her head that, um, that the, the Bible, the word of God, was something um, to be used against her instead of something that um, uplifted her. And so that was... Um, that was a bizarre experience for me. I had, I had never thought of it that way. So that's the first time I ruined Christmas. The second time I ruined Christmas was, um, it, was the, it was Christmas Day, and we had done our whole Christmas festivities, and uh, it was the, the evening was drawing nigh, and my uh, family, we were just kind of sitting around, around the Christmas tree, just kind of hanging out. It's like 9 p.m., Christmas is almost over. And so I say, oh, hey, guys. Uh, do you want to hear a joke? And they're like, yeah, sure. Tell us the joke, Tommy. And so I pull out my phone, and I go to thelongestjokeintheworld.com. And I literally, like, it took me 45 minutes to read this joke. I was so proud of it. I had found it, like, a few weeks before. I was like, oh, I got to tell this story to, to my family. So about 30 minutes in, Virginia's getting kind of agitated. She's like, is this joke going to be any, like, is this joke going to be worth it, Tommy? Is it funny? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think it's funny, you know? Um, some people don't think it's funny. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, but I thought it was funny. And uh, she, the, the, the tension in her built up, and she said, Tommy, and she was, she was furious. She was beginning to go into one of her meltdowns. Um, we only have so much time together as a family for a Christmas, and you're wasting it on this joke. You're ruining Christmas, basically. Um, so she ran into my parents' bedroom and cried for a while while I finished the joke. And, you know, my parents laughed because it was funny. And then the rest of the night, Virginia was melting down in, the, um, in my parents' bedroom because I had ruined Christmas. So in a way, that kind of ruined Christmas. Not my silly joke. Although, I will, I will say that the joke did not enhance Christmas but it certainly didn't ruin it, in my opinion. So that's, that's just, an, those are some examples of her meltdowns. You see, like, because, because of Virginia's, um, the importance that she placed on holidays, I had, um, I kind of hated them, because it was a time when Virginia went on turbo, um, turbo borderline personality mode, and um, all of the symptoms that we discussed earlier just kind of amplified. And so I really, I really hated all holidays except for Thanksgiving because we celebrated Thanksgiving with my extended family and she didn't feel comfortable enough with them to have meltdowns in front of them. So I was sort of safe 
because my cousins and aunts and uncles were there. Um, probably the, uh, I've told you a lot of stories about living with Virginia when I was in middle school and high school. But I think the, the most um, telling one, one time my parents were, either they were out of town or they were at some fancy dinner or something. Virginia and I were home alone. I was probably in high school at this point. And we got into a fight about something. I don't remember what it was. And so I decided that I didn't want to be a part of this anymore and I went into my room. Now that made her mad because um, whenever I left arguments like that, she would accuse me of running away from my problems and I was very, very vicious and, and, and bitter. And this time she actually followed me into my room and continued to shout at me and I shouted back and we were screaming and I was said, get out of my room. This is my space. Um, you're in my space, get out, get out. And she wouldn't, and she just stayed put. And I didn't know what to do. I'm crying at this point. I literally, I literally tried to shove her out of my room. Um, but it didn't work, because I, she was stronger than I was. And so she stayed there in my room, and I didn't have a way to escape that, that fight, which, because, which was my usual uh, strategy. It was just to, to run away to run my room. Um, and that was probably the scariest moment of growing up with Virginia. You see, there was, um, it felt like there was a monster living in my home. Um, and so home wasn't really safe. Um, and the, the saddest part of it was that I knew that my sister, who I loved, was, so, was somewhere inside of that monster. And um, a lot of her um, outlashes, is outlash a, a noun? Can I say outlashes? Um, a lot of her episodes, I guess, uh, it, was, it was a cry for help in a way, because she was um, stuck, she was trapped inside of this borderline personality disorder that was taking, taking her over and that was making her life very painful and very extreme. Um, and so she was just as much a victim of this as, as I was, if not more, um, definitely more. As bad as it was for me being her little brother, um, I know that it was much worse for her um, to be in that situation. So I graduated high school, and I, I moved out of the house. I came to college, and Virginia moved out of the house around the same time, um, which was a big step for her, because remember, abandonment was a huge deal in her life. And living alone is a manifestation of that abandonment. But she did it. She got a roommate, and she, um, I know, actually, she didn't that first time. Anyway, so she lived on her own, and she had a job, and things were starting to look better. And my freshman year of college, she decided that she would go to China. 
and teach English. Now she she had always she had always loved like Chinese history and stuff like that, and she had learned the language in college. But she said, she, "My sister Virginia, who couldn't spend the night alone in her, in our house growing up, decided that she would go to China, where she didn't know anybody, and she barely knew the language, so that she could teach English. And she did, and she had a great time." And she was there for 18 months. It's a year and a half. And um, that transformation is, is miraculous. There's no other way to describe it. When she was, um, the, the funny thing is when she, when I found out that she was going to China, or at least considering it, um, I, I got upset. Because, you know, in my mind, China is this scary communist place, you know? Um, and I didn't want her to, yeah, Sterling's proud. Uh, I didn't, I was scared of her, like, traveling alone in a place so far away. And I thought my whole, the, 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 the thought came to me, like, my whole life I've been trying to get rid of her. And now that she's going away, I'm devastated. So that, that was a hard year and a half for me because I missed my sister, believe it or not. Um, so that brings us to, um, towards the end of her stay in China, we, um, she wanted to meet up with the family, but we weren't going to fly to China, you know, because that's really expensive. And it turns out that the cheapest option, believe it or not, was for the... Uh, Virginia to fly to Orlando, and we would fly there too to meet her, and then we got to hang out at Disney World for a couple days. Um, and so I missed school, and I missed college to go like hang out in Disney World with my family. It was awesome. 100% recommend it. Um, uh, so just have your sister move to China and then come back to Disney World. That's the, that's the strategy there. Anyway, um, so we were hanging out. And uh, on a Sunday morning, we were getting ready for church. We were going to go to some church in Orlando that we had Googled. And while my dad was we were waiting on my dad to get ready, Virginia and I were already ready. Um, and my dad was getting ready. And we were sitting on the, on the couch in that hotel room. And she said, Tommy... I know that I know that I was emotionally abusive to you when you were younger. And I I lashed out. I treated you unfairly and I hurt you in some deep ways that I'm sure you're still dealing with. I want you to know that my problem was never with you. Um, you never did anything wrong. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I did that to you and I'm sorry that things turned out the way they did.
And that was awesome to hear. Suddenly, I mattered. All those times that she um, had lashed out at me, where I was just a byproduct, or, or my, not byproduct, side effect, whatever, of her problems with my parents and her problems with the school, and it, it just affected me as if I didn't matter. Now she's acknowledged that I do matter and that she did affect me. And that was incredible. And I forgave her. And when she came back to America, um, she became one of my dearest friends. We hang out on my days off sometimes. We talk on the phone. Max said something about uh, who, who would you call if you were in an emergency and when, when he was preaching on Sunday, and my first thought was, I would call Virginia. Guys, our love, our love for each other, me and my sister, it comes from a place that's so much deeper than the fact that we happen to be family, so we're supposed to love each other. Really, like, we, we love each other as friends. And, and that's, that's miraculous to me. The transformation that it took to go from me perceiving her as, as a monster in my own home to me now seeing her as one of my closest friends, that's, that's a God thing. God says, behold, I am making all things new. And he made my relationship with my sister new again. He took that pain and he washed it away and gave me instead a dear, dear friend that I'm so thankful for. If God can bring the dead back to life, and if he can bring a friend, a close friend out of a monster, guys, God can do anything. And I have hope in all things because of Christ. I have hope um, for uh, some of you are struggling with stuff. Okay, let me rephrase. All of you are struggling with stuff, okay? All different kinds of stuff. And guys, there is hope. If God can do that, what he did with me and my sister, guys, he will renew and make beautiful whatever it is that you're struggling with. I, I know it. So let's pray. God, I thank you so, so much for Virginia. I am who I am today in large part because of her. Thank you that she's finally someone that I'm close to, someone that I feel safe with. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, I pray that you'd continue your work of making things new, 
in all of our lives today and the rest, and for the rest of the week and the rest of time. Never let us lose hope, God, of the things that you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.